Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today we have, as our guest, Lynn Trong. She's currently the Senior Director of Internal Audit and Enterprise Risk at the North Texas Tollway Authority. She's been doing this for going on 30 years now across various industries. Uh, she also serves as an advisory board member for several nonprofit organizations. Before starting at the North Texas Tollway Authority, she was an executive consultant, professional speaker, which we get into a little bit during the show's interesting perspective there, a uh, corporate trainer. And while doing that, she spoke on topics about corporate governance, risk management, agile transformation, which we also talk about on the show, and organizational culture. I hinted at a few of the topics that we hit on, but to cement those a little bit more, we talk about lessons that we can apply from Lynn's speaking career, how we can apply those in internal audit, which is super fascinating and where the title of the show comes from. Uh, we also talk about how she is transforming her internal audit department and how we can also do that. There are some practical, actionable takeaways um, really within the first probably 10 minutes of the conversation around those two questions. We also talk about how they're using analytics uh, within their agile auditing process. And we've taken a deep dive into agile audit. Um, before, I think we did a, a two-part episode where we went actual use case. This is real world. This is exactly you know, how it worked, how it happened, how we applied the concepts, the mindset, et cetera. One thing that we didn't hit on as much in that show was how to continually perform a risk assessment though. And with Lynn's agile uh, auditing background, and training and speaking as well as actually implementing it at her organization that's something that we uh definitely discuss all right here we go what is an audit tip that you would like to pass on to the listeners i would like to tell them to run their audit shop like it was their business like it was their mini consulting slash audit firm and that the key stakeholders, the business owners that they're auditing are their clients, right? As a matter of fact, um, I use the word client instead of auditing mm -hmm. just to drive that point home to my team that they are customers. And so, yes, we need to be independent and objective, but we can also, just, just like the big four accounting firms, they have to be independent and objective, but they are treating their... Um, Auditees, I hate to use that term, but they are treating the business owners as customers. Yeah. And is there um, suggestions on what they could do with that? So I remember before I started Green Skies, I was a full time employee, but I'd read like these entrepreneurial books, like Lean Startup, for example, is a very popular one. And I started to look at my role in internal audits similarly like, okay, this is like we're like a mini consulting firm in the organization, it's a business. Uh, and so for me, books, entrepreneurial related books were a way to 
kind of do that and get in that mindset? Is there, is there almost like a specific, Hey, once you, okay, Lynn said, treat it like it's my own business. That's fine. I can do that. What would be almost like a next step for that? Like what's something they could actually do is it, or is it just more like a mindset? Well, no, I mean, it, it's a mindset, but also I, I've done things such as implement a post audit survey so that our customers can grade us mm -hmm. on several measures. One is uh, efficiency. So did we drag the audit out for months and months and months, or did we get it done quickly, efficiently? Um, effectiveness is another measure where you can ask questions like, did we address the risks related to the topic or the, the function or the process that was in scope? Right. Um, there are several performance measures that, that you can look at. You can look at the percentage of um, implementation of, of internal audits recommendations. Right. Is it only 50% of your recommendations are being implemented or is it a 90% rate? Yeah. So that'll tell you how valuable your recommendations are. And then for the experts, right, this is like the um, nirvana, if you will, of, of internal audit effectiveness is if the organization is mature enough to use KPIs and if you are auditing an area that has KPIs and there are areas for improvement, you have recommendation to help them become more effective or efficient. And it, I know there's a lot of moving parts, but if you could somehow prove in any way possible that after they implement your recommendations, those KPIs improved and all things being equal, you know, there wasn't a major initiative, there wasn't a system implementation that was done or new procedures, et cetera, new processes. If the only big change in that process or that function was the implementation of internal audit recommendations and the KPI improved, you, you could, that, that is like the be all end all way of, of, um, proving intro audits value. Yeah. And there's always discussion around like what to report to the audit committee. Like, what do they want to see? What should we report? There's so much, et cetera. Uh, they don't want all the, the report, you know, out there hundreds of pages of audit report. Right. If I was on the audit committee and somebody just brought that, or is that a board meeting and went, this was, you know, free audit KPI, post audit KPI, I would go, that's it. I mean, that's, yeah. Like you said that, I think that would be perfect. And I would say, even if there is a big initiative. I'd take credit for it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we were part of the yeah, transformation. Yeah. Right. And and it's so funny that you you mentioned twenty pages of, of audit reports. You know, I've been in the internal audit space, um, or the audit space, both external and internal for, for thirty years now, mostly internal audit. And I've seen internal audit processes and methodologies transform, right, over over these thirty years. And one of the things that I recently implemented here was moving to a, I'll put it in quotes, one page audit report. It could be two pages, you know, depending upon how many things we find, but we, we have moved basically to a one page audit report. It's got scope, it's got objectives, it's got audit procedures. It's, it's a power, it's a one page PowerPoint. It's got the top three or four findings. It's got management responses. It's got a red, yellow, green, um, shades of green for um, the severity. 
or actually in this case, we moved instead of severity of findings, we've moved to maturity of the process. Mm -hmm. And so it has everything on one page. Basically, what you used to do as an executive summary, that is now the audit report. Yeah. And I was really nervous about introducing that because it's pretty progressive, right? It's kind of cutting edge. Uh, I was nervous about introducing that to the board and they loved it because I found out that many of them weren't making it through a 20-page audit report anyways. You know what I mean? Just like we, we talked about writing a book and I bought books where it was 400, 600 pages. I really wanted to read it, but I just didn't have time to read that thick of a book. Um, so I would get 50 pages into it and, and give up and you, you get busy. And so we bull every, everything that the board needs to know, and they are the board, right? There are 50,000 people. And so what they need to know can be, can be shown on one page. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I've done it and it worked. So off air, we talked about kind of like your background and, and here we're talking about, just talking about the one page audit report and maybe the communication benefits of, of doing that. I know in a previous lifetime, you led trainings for internal audit departments. And so I've, I do those pretty frequently and there's definitely some lessons learned from those. I'm curious from your time doing it full time, uh, for an extended amount of time. What are some lessons from your speaking career that we can apply in internal audit? Absolutely. So along the lines of the greatest audit reports or the greatest um, content or information in the world is not going to go anywhere or be useful if people don't read it or if people not, are not engaged to absorb it or pay attention to it. So the, the number one lesson I learned in my speaking career that I can apply to internal audit and probably any other discipline mm -hmm. uh, is to entertain your audience. Whoever your audience is, whatever discipline you're in, whatever career you're in, everybody is selling something, right? Whether it's selling an audit report or, or, or a, a product or a service, you have to make it engaging for your audience to want to know more about it or to buy it. Same thing with the recommendations. You are selling those recommendations to management, right? Why is it worth my time, my money to make these changes? So making a compelling argument. Um, so you need to be entertaining in order to sell anything, including audit reports, including recommendations. That means graphics. Mm -hmm. That means uh, data, right? Data analytics. Right visual analytics, uh, visualization of information. So colors, right? Why'd write a sentence saying this finding it has been assessed as X, Y, Z level. How about a circle with a color in it? Yeah. You know what I mean? In one circle, you can much more effectively convey the uh, level of seriousness or severity of that finding in, and do away with that. Yeah. Entertaining your audience. And we've talked uh, data visualizations on the show. So anyone interested in learning more about that, there's uh, flip through the show, the previous shows, and you'll see some of those. Um, sometimes like while doing the interview, I'll, someone will say, the guest will say something and I'll go, oh, there's a title for the show. And for those that are familiar with the movie Gladiator, the 
famous line is, are you not happening? Yes. So that, I couldn't fit <laughs> the title of the show. exactly where I got nice. that. Wait, yeah. 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 So I think some of these things you're talking about, like being entertaining um, or providing entertainment and the one-page audit report, very uh, kind of bleeding edge, transformational type initiatives. Um, how else are you transforming your audit department? There wasn't a rock that I, I turned over that I, I didn't feel the need to to change. So um, I would say not only with performance metrics, which weren't um, there before, but also, you know, treating the, I mentioned treating the, the stakeholders at like customers, the you know, post audit surveys, uh, moving from traditional process-based auditing to risk-based auditing and implementing agile auditing on top of that. Because really agile auditing is just risk-based auditing on steroids. Mm-hmm. Right, you are constantly filtering out the most important um, processes to include in scope when you're tackling this particular risk, and you're only going to focus on the key controls within that process that's going to be the most impactful to test, and then you're only going to filter out the most impactful uh, observations and recommendations to put on the one-page audit report. It's constantly filtering the cream. Uh, to the top. Right. So the last thing I want to say about transforming the art function is our, our work papers. So in conjunction with implementing agile auditing, you want to minimize the least value adding activity. And that to me, our work papers, mm-hmm. and we need to comply with the IA, but, um, we're, we're going to implement audit board in, in order to automate our work papers so that we let the software do the work for us. So that we, the humans, can spend our time interacting with the customers and coming up with valuable recommendations instead of spending our time crossing our T's and dotting our I's on manual work papers. And just a, a little background for the listeners on how the show works. Um, we have a pre-meeting with the guest. We formulate topics and questions, send those over, uh, and that's about it. I don't really have a ton of insight as to what the answers are going to be. And I say that because Audit Board was a, has been sponsoring this show for like 125 episodes. We did not put Lynn up to that. That was just Lynn making, uh, oh. uh, telling her side of the story. She's not receiving a check in the mail for the, uh, the Audit Board reference. I am not. All right. Uh, so you were talking Agile Audit and we have, we've talked Agile Audit, uh, a few times on the show. One piece though, and this is something that I found in, in doing audit analytics consulting with our clients is uh, they have agile auditing and then they go, well, how do we work the analytics piece into that? And so I know you have a, a, an analytics team out there also, and you're doing analytics procedures. Uh, could you kind of walk us through what that process looks like for you all? Sure. So a great example, one of the first audit that was on the audit plan when I came on board was a, a T&E or a travel and expense audit. And so... We used to, the, the the audit department used to audit 100% of all <laughs> expense reports. And instead of doing that, I asked for some data, data dumped from um, the accounting software to find out which departments had the most activity, the most volume in transactions, but also in dollars. And so once I got the graphics on that, we were go- only going to focus on the um, functions or departments that had the most activity. And then on top of that, 
we also layered in the risk. So what was the risk? The risk was um, looking for fraud and corruption or bribery. And so we also looked at which functions would have roles, people, positions that would interact with government officials. And so not everyone has, you know, that type of role to, to, to interact with government officials. So, so we really concentrated on external affairs, government affairs, and um, obviously the executives. And, and so with that, we were able to hit 80% of the risks by only auditing 20% of the transactions. Because mm -hmm. life is really, you know, 80-20, right? Yeah. yeah. You typically, if, if you know how to do it, if you can find a way to know which 20% of your population holds 80% of what you're looking for, you can be much more efficient and effective at whatever you do. Yeah. And those that aren't familiar with the, I don't know if it's a principle or a rule. I think if you Google either, it'll work. But the 80-20 principle or 80-20 rule uh, is something that it constantly I think about like, okay, what's the top 20% that would give us 80% of the results is the final. But it, I mean, it is very, there's tons of examples online of real world applications of that. So and data analytics is key to finding that 80-20 I love to hear that. Uh, <laughs> and also, know your audience. <laughs> yeah, for um, for like the folks that we work with that have it, the kind of the issue was just like the overall timing because oh, we're doing two week sprints, and if we start requesting the data uh, at the beginning of the sprint, then by the time we even get it, you know, we might be done with it. And so, uh, by and large, if if you're having trouble with that, uh, and your listeners are having trouble with that, it's usually a communication and planning type issue uh, that would help address that. And so I talked about, we've done, we've talked agile audit on the show before we had someone on that did a deep dive, uh, might've been our first two part episode where they walked through, like, this is a cake, like this is a agile audit. I just finished. This is what day one looked like day two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, et cetera. Uh, and did a really deep dive into that. But one thing we didn't talk about was the continual risk assessment yeah. process. And so it was just it was kind of the middle chunk maybe, or, or maybe the tail end of, um, or the execution rather be a better way to put it. So relative to a continual risk assessment, what does that look like from your end? How do you guys conduct that? What can the listeners apply from almost lessons learned from doing that, that they could implement on their teams? Right. So are you asking, how do we continually know what the top risks are at the enterprise ERM yes. level? Okay. Yes. Not the audit risk assessment. Right. Okay. So. We just completed, well, I didn't, I shouldn't say just completed anymore, but last year, uh, around the mid year timeframe, we conducted our enterprise risk assessment. So we got all the leaders together, um, interviewed each one of them individually, got, you know, the top risks. And so that it was snapshot in time, right? And in enterprise risk assessment versus an ERM management process mm -hmm. is a snapshot in time. The moment one month goes by, one week goes by, several, a quarter goes by, that information is old. So how do we know what the big risks are today? You know, because we did that risk assessment. Um, well, now it's been six months ago. Mm -hmm. And so you have to embed yourself um, into the day-to-day. -day. So I have a seat at the table uh, with the executive management team. I, I happen to to not only be the CAE, 
Uh, but the, the E part, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm also a member of the executive management team. So I report both to the board functionally and to the CEO um, administratively. So when we have, when the CEO has an executive um, team meeting, I, I am always invited. So every week we meet as an executive team and I'm going to embed ERM within our day-to-day. -day. So every um, month I'll, you know, schedule some time from the executive team to talk about risk. You know, here was our ERA, here's our heat map, here's our top 15 from six months ago. Are there any movements, any of these risks, right? If, you, if you're asking those questions on a monthly basis, if there are any significant movements of velocity of, of certain risks, um, how quickly they, they go up or down, et cetera, then without conducting another ERA, because who has time to do that, you know, every month, you'll be able to keep your pulse on, on what your top five are or, or, you know, a watch list of which ones are moving significantly. But it's not just about you asking that question, right? Okay, let's talk about, you know, ERA or ERM again. It's also listening to the decisions being made on a day-to-day -day basis by the management, executive management team, right? What strategies are we about to execute? Are we thinking about executing, you know? And being able to advise the management team on, okay, here are some of the risks I see when we do strategy A versus strategy B, right? And so listening to all the conversations of the day-to-day, -day, you're able to also keep your pulse on where the top 15 risks are moving. So it's it's up and down and a pause, right? It, it's push and pull. So asking for it, enterprise risk process, or I'm sorry, enterprise risk level movement, um, but also listening to just day-to-day -day strategy setting, et cetera, and gleaning from those conversations, any sort of risk movements there. Yeah, we've, I, I don't know, we've interviewed roughly 100 people on this show, uh, thought, internal audit thought leaders, risk management thought leaders, uh, report writing experts, et cetera. And it seems like for anyone who wants to like advance in their career as maybe to be a CAE, if you know how to whatever, uh, look at an invoice and see if it's, you know, fake or do your reconciliate, like the actual audit work is like such a small percentage everything else like if we boiled it down it's all communication like the, yep. the, the everything even in data analytics you can do the greatest thing in the world and if you can't communicate it and no one can really understand it that's where storytelling data visualizations comes in uh handy especially nobody cares and so it's that to hear you like further echo that point and, and trent you're just tying it right back to our our very first conversation right have i entertained you yeah yeah mm -hmm. So it goes right back to that. And and so um, nowadays when I'm hiring people, I'm not hiring people for their audit skills. I can teach anybody to audit. Right. I'm hiring them for their communication skills, their relationship building skills, and their critical thinking skills. Nice. Because you can't train that. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, not very easy. It's tough. Yeah. There's a question. So this wasn't on our uh, list of questions, but you mentioned it, and it's been a favorite of mine that I've asked CAEs in the past. And it was inspired by Hal Guerin, who is a, I think Richard Chambers has been putting together this top 12 list of thought leaders. Yeah. And I think this I is the fourth, fourth year in a row. And Hal 
I think Hal and Norman Marks are the only two I think that have been on it every year. So for those that don't know either one, I love of, Norman Marks. Yeah, I do too. One of my favorites. Uh, highly recommend follow them, subscribe to their blogs and all that kind of good stuff. Give I like Google. Hal as well. Yeah, yeah, Hal's great, and I, Hal's the one that it must have been a LinkedIn post or something, but he talks about. The listeners are probably tired of hearing me explain this because it's been a question we've asked a decent amount. In the CAE title, Chief Audit Executive, mm-hmm. there's pretty much all CAEs have the A part. They have the audit part figured out. They grew up in audit. They know how to audit. They're good with that. What they may or may not have is the E part, the executive part. And you specifically hit on like the E. You talked about the E. And so I, I like to ask the question, like, Lynn, what advice would you give for someone that's like, yeah, dude, I know the audit. I'm totally good with that. It's the the executive piece that I'm almost struggling with. Uh, and, and maybe a, a way to say it is like the seat at the table. Like how how can people develop more of the E? Like what advice would you give someone that came to you and said, I'm a CAE. I'm more of an A than an E. Help me become an E. Right. So that that's a complicated <laughs> question. So I'll I'll start the response with with this. Um, I've been the CAE without the E, right? Meaning I I haven't most of my CAE positions haven't been on the executive management team. Have haven't been um, reporting deadlines to the CEO. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of us. Um, don't have access, don't have a seat at the table, don't have exposure to strategy discussions and what the company is about to do or thinking of doing before they pull the trigger and you're the last to know, right? Um, so it's hard to be a partner. It's hard to advise executive management um, on you know, risk that they're taking when you don't know about it, right? You don't know about it in a timely manner. Um, you're the last to know. So so one is access. Regardless of whether you have a dotted line to the CEO on an org chart or not, if if you're if you don't have seats at the table, if you can't have access to that up and coming information, right? Um, what management is about to do, not what they've already done, and and you deal with the aftermath of the risk related to to their decisions, then it's really hard to be the E. Um, so a lot of it is is circumstantial, mm-hmm. and you can try to influence, and you can try to ask uh, for a seat, and you can try to ask for information, but sometimes you just don't get it. Yeah. Um, so it depends a lot on how the board and the CEO views internal audit. Do they view them as a compliance function? Keep us out of trouble only. That's all we want from you, socks. You know, help us save money. Or do they view you as a partner, as a change agent, as, um, you know, an advisor? And so depending upon what the culture is, depending upon how the board and the CEO view that position, you know, nothing against you, just that position, that can shape whether it's you're going to be a CAE or just a CA. Yeah. Um, now, is it possible to change people's mind? 
it's possible, but it's really, really difficult. Yeah. So un unless you are interviewing for CAE, CAE position where that position is already viewed highly and as a partner, et cetera, et cetera, everything I said, um, it, it's unlikely that you're going to be this, live out this, the E part of the CAE, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think maybe some of the takeaways there, uh, one, because I feel like people go, yeah, be, you know, be the CAE. And it's like, well, I, I mean, yeah, I hear you telling me that, but that's not super easy around here. And so I think just even uh, folks being able to empathize with like that position that you've been in in the past and knowing uh, where you are now, where you uh, had that access, I think is helpful for some folks that are in that position. And the other one being, if someone is applying for a CAE role, to almost like bring that up, like what's the level of engagement with the executive team? What's What's been the um, perspective of the CAE in the past? Is it just a compliance type thing or like, Am I going to be really involved? And depending on, uh, the, I'm sure there are CAEs out there that are like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Like, you know, like I'm fine just doing the audit thing. I don't really right. want the E part. Um, but almost knowing that going in and getting an understanding of the culture and the perspective of the CAE role from the executives and the folks that you're interviewing with and going, you know what? I appreciate the time, but that's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it that way. Right. And, and, you know, chicken or the egg, you do bring, the critical thinking skills and the the strategic um the, the the business owner mentality that will meet up it will fill the shoes of that role if they give you that role right the, the yep. e part uh, so so you're right there are some caes who say you know I, i'm comfortable not being the e part i'm comfortable just auditing uh and and so you, you'll find each other, right? Those yeah. types of CAEs will find the organizations who just want that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the CAEs who want more, who want to be a partner, who, who want to be strategic, they'll have to find the, the roles that offer that. And I, I would have to say in my 30 years experience, it's few and far between. Yeah. There, I'm glad you mentioned think strategically. I was talking to a mentor of mine, uh, former CEO of a large organization. And so I asked, uh, you know, like, as a CEO myself, like what's the mindset I have? We've been talking together for, you know, a year and a half now. What do you, you know, think? What would you instill? What trait, et cetera, in, you know, across the board with anyone in that role? And immediately they said, you got to think strategically. Like you have to think strategically three years down the road, five years, et cetera. Um, so as, when you said that, that's why for those that are listening and aren't watching, Lynn said, think strategically. And I just like pointed at her and started to smile because I, I was just talking to someone about that. And I think that even goes back to what we we're talking about in an in internal audit. Think about yourself as like this consulting firm. It's your business inside the organization. And on top of that, we could probably add think strategically. But again, it goes back to chicken or the egg. Yeah. You know, if the CEO says, I want you to be strategic, but you don't have access to any of the strategy discussions, <laughs> then how can you, right? Information is key to, um, being able to advise yeah all right we will uh start to wrap it up i love it when we get practical advice so you you were talking about the like specific survey questions that can be asked uh mindsets that can be instilled etc so i think there's a lot of really good stuff uh for the listeners i really appreciate that um so what do you have what lynn it's your say whatever you want to what do you want to leave the audience with well you spoke about mindset a lot and i think some audience members, especially if they're auditors, are going to be skeptical and say, you know, 
how do you change mindset? It's so right intangible. And so what I did when I came on board was, was I took the organization's eight core values and I translated it to what that looks like, each core value in an internal audit world. So what does excellence mean for our internal audit function? What does, um, you know, enjoy work mean in our audit department? What does, um, you know, integrity mean for our audit department? So translating that into what it, because right now those eight core values are written on the walls and each department can interpret it however, you know, the, I don't want to leave it to, up to interpretation. So to change the mindset, I had to translate those eight core values into what that means for the kind of audit department I want us to live and breathe and um, how we provide value and treat our stakeholders every day. This is what that means. Another very practical, actual takeaway <laughs> from Lynn. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.